All right. Thank you, worship team. Thank you guys for um, thank you guys for leading us into worship. We've got um, after right after service, we've got a few baptisms. I mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to celebrate together. Ba- baptism's huge. It's it's one of the greatest decisions that you can make as a follower of Jesus. Not only is it a uh, is is it a, a basically a public. All right, Lord has a message for you this morning. <laughs> Not only is it a, uh, a public sign of what God's doing, doing on the inside of you. Yeah, y'all are listening. But it's a supernatural move of God. When we, when, when we go into that water, and we go into that water and we come back out, God has washed us clean, made us new. It's, a, it's an incredible, incredible thing. It looks kind of normal. It looks kind of every day. Those of you that take baths and showers every day, it looks like just an everyday kind of thing, right? But it's not. It is a move, a supernatural moment that God does on the inside. You may come out, you may feel completely different or you may feel the same, but I can tell you something. You're a, you are, because of the decision that you made to follow Jesus with all your heart, you're a new creation. So we're doing baptism this morning. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love baptism. We've, we've, we've kind of put that baptism tank someplace different every time we've done this because we've been someplace different every time so it's in the uh it's in the back back over there we're gonna have a it's gonna be a good um a good morning we are i want to mention small groups now we we started a small group semester a few weeks ago and some of our groups have started Uh, some of them are about to start now's the time to engage with community within our church so i want to encourage you find you find your people and if you've found some people already and you're still wanting some more people, all right, just keep on joining. Go find a, add, add in another group. Some of you guys, I've, I've talked to you and, you're, and you've gone, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to join a group. I think I'm going to show up this time. I'm saying, good, that's good. Some of you are like, I'm ready for number 12. And you're like, okay, that's a lot of groups. That's a lot of participation. But wherever you are, all right. Uh, last thing is this. We have... A series that we're in, it's at, uh, called Tent to Table, but we have a Tent to Table building vision that we are going to be showing uh, you guys very soon in a couple weeks. Uh, it's happening uh, right now, and I can't wait to share with y'all what that looks like for our church, uh, what it looks like for this building, and how we all are going to be able to be a part. Keep the church in your prayers. I know those of you that are people of prayer in our church, our church is filled with people of prayer. We have people online right now. I know, I know some of you guys that are online that are, you're just people of prayer. You're always taking our church before the Lord. Keep our church in your prayers as we finalize some, some of these details, uh, early details about what this looks like for our space here. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be wild, all right? All right, you guys ready to dig into the Word this morning? Good. We are uh, in a series. It's called From Tent to Table. The idea is that we're moving from God's presence into his purpose. And so in the Old Testament, the, um, uh, so God showed the children of Israel, or the Hebrew children, um, basically what they did was they built a tent, what they called a tabernacle, while they were in the desert. And it was God's way of initially showing whenever they would see the tent or they would see this tabernacle, that was kind of God's presence manifested right there in their midst, right in the middle of the, middle of the camp. And so we see, um, and so when they would go to worship, 
the priest would go into the tent, the tabernacle, and they would have their, um, the, their, uh, the, the sacrifices and the worship and all that would occur there. You fast forward all the way to the New Testament, there's no more tent, there's no more tabernacle. Instead, we see Jesus show up. In fact, one of the gospel writers says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and it says, and then he tabernacled among us, or he, he was there in his, his, his body, his presence was there with us. And what it meant was God's presence was in human form in Jesus. And so every time, so often through the Gospels, we see Jesus, some of the best illustrations that we have of, of what the kingdom of heaven is and what that looks like, we see at the table. He's always forever eating and hanging out with people. Some people that you and I would hang out with and some people that you and I would probably not hang out with. In fact, he was called the friend of sinners. His friend of sinners. How many, how many of y'all are glad Jesus was a friend of sinners? Because you like am one, all right? Were one, maybe. So the series, the concept, the idea is that, is that we're looking at God's presence, and when we recognize God's presence there at the table, we can also recognize his purpose. And now it just so happens to coincide with us as a church, um, coincidentally, that we have traveled around Huntsville basically in a pipe and drape tent, and we have set up and torn down at a school and at an event center and now at an old gym that we're going to turn into the most rocking awesome church in the city of Huntsville's ever seen, all right? And it just so happens that we're looking at what does this table here look like, our four corners table. So we're working through some, through some values at our church um, and uh, I'd encourage you, I really think this is going to be um, a foundational series for our church. So I'd encourage you, if you've, if you've missed a couple weeks or if you've missed all the weeks of the Tent to Table series, go check out the podcast. You can listen to that um, on your own while you're driving. You guys do podcasts. Y'all know. Y'all can listen whenever, however. Some of y'all are... Uh, uh, podcast listeners, and you just set it on kind of like normal speed. Some of y'all are like, I have so much I got to listen to. I'm going to put it like double time. Anybody listen to podcast double time? Yeah. I mean, triple time, quadruple time, whatever. Y'all put y'all's hands down. Y'all are in church. All right. So, uh, okay. So I, 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 we're asking the question, what is it like at Jesus's table? Now, Today, some would say that we are in the age of perpetual offense. Perpetual offense. So many quick to judge, so many quick to criticize, quick to condemn, quick to really cancel anybody or anything that offends. You guys notice that? You ever notice? It's, it seems like the, the age of perpetual offense. It used to be just like famous people, uh, maybe politicians. Uh, business leaders, maybe, you know, we, we, we could cancel them, but now it seems it's just, it's anybody. It's, it's your kid's teacher, or it's <laughs> someone that you're uh, friends with on social media, and they, they write something, or, or share something, or like something, and it's, it's just one, one moment, and we just, we just cancel. It doesn't, it doesn't take too much. It's one misstatement or one um, accident, one moment of foolishness or even sinfulness, and you can have this lifetime of integrity all of a sudden canceled off because somebody made a mistake. It seems like we're in an age of perpetual offense. I had a friend tell me um, a few months ago, we were talking 
um, and, and he, would, he mentioned something about politics, and he said, I just can't imagine, I just don't see how I could ever be friends with anybody that would vote for him. Now, I'm not going to tell you which him it was. It doesn't matter. We're so divided, it doesn't matter. You could pick whichever person you want, put them in that, uh, in that blank, and it makes sense to you. And it's don't use, he goes, I don't even see how anybody could be. And I said, for real, you don't even, you, you don't even be friends with somebody? He said, no, man, I can't. And I just thought, where are we? Like, what, where, where are we? we? We live in an age of perpetual offense. And if you're on a continual search to be offended, guess what? You will always find what you're looking for. And so Romans 12.10 actually says to honor one another above yourselves. And so how are we doing, do you think, how are we doing honoring each other above ourselves? How, how, how are we doing? If you were to put that on a scale. So I want to talk to you this morning about one of the most overlooked and undervalued values of Jesus. And it just so happens it's a value of ours, a core value of ours at our church, where what we, the, the way we say is that honor is our lifestyle. Everybody say honor. I want to talk to you about cultivating a lifestyle of honor in a culture of dishonor. And I think this is, I think this is, um, I don't think I can overstate the importance of what honor is and means in the scriptures and to Jesus and what it should mean to the church today. And I don't think I can overstate the the value and the key that it is to unlocking all that God has for you as a person, as a spouse, as a child, as a follower of Jesus, as an employee. I, I, I don't think we can overstate it. And so I want to talk this morning about honor. Our text this morning, Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. So Jesus left there. Everybody say there. there. Good. Y'all, when I make you repeat me, it makes me feel like you're with me, okay? So just y'all forgive me. I like, to hear, I like to hear you talk, all right? So when Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, lots of brothers? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. In his hometown, Jesus was without honor. So I, 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 I look at that now and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the people that are in the room with him, the people that are in his town. And I think, what are you, what are you thinking? Don't you realize who this is? Don't you realize this is the, this is, this is the word of God. This is the creator of the universe. This, this is Jesus, the Messiah. Don't you have any idea who this is? And the answer, of course, is no. No, they didn't. So I got a couple words for you. The, um, the, the word, the, the Greek word here for uh, without honor, without honor is atimos. Everybody say atimos. Yeah, I didn't know y'all were going to Bible school this morning, did you? Welcome. 
Atimos, it just means to, to dishonor or to treat as common or ordinary. Just ordinary. Uh, honor, the word, it looks like time. It's, uh, it's pronounced, we think, more like time. And uh, it means to value, respect, highly esteem, to treat as precious or weighty or valuable. All right, so what, is, what, is honor, what does honor do? Honor esteems, it, it cherishes, it values, it builds up, it, it believes the best. And so what does dishonor do? Dishonor treats as common, ordinary. It tears down, it devalues, it assumes the worst. And so you got an uh, example of, uh, of, of honor. You got a guy who is, uh, he, he's got a crush on the girl and he wants to take her out on a date, all right? We still, we still do dates, right? We date, they still do dating, okay. So wants to go out on a date. And so, but, so he likes her, and so, so what does he do? He, he, he shows her honor. And so he, he, he compliments her, and, and, he, and he opens the door for her. And um, he tells her how, how she, she smells good. I don't know, we still do it? I, I still do it for you, babe. All right. So he, 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 he maybe brings a gift, or maybe, maybe compliments, or takes her out. He brags on her, right? And so... Um, Maybe takes, a, maybe takes a photo and, and, and posts it together. You know, my girl, you know. You know, true love, right? This is together forever. So things begin to work out and, and they get married. What does he do? He honors her. And then time begins to go on and over time they settle in and he begins to take her for granted, begins to treat more kind of ordinary, just every day, just... Run of the mill, just same old, same old. And so over time, this attitude becomes common. What was once special now becomes Tuesday, right? It just becomes ordinary. And so, so the idea or the mistake is this, is that, is that when you are honorable, we think that when you're honorable, that, that at that point, then I'll show you honor. But, but the mistake, that, but that's a mistake. And the reason is this, is that when you ascribe honor to someone, oftentimes they become honorable over time. Because honor builds up and dishonor tears down. And so I, I, I made up a definition of honor, my own, my own definition. This is, since I have the microphone, I decided I'd put it on the screen and tell y'all. This is, this is my definition of, of honor, and it's this. It's the practice of responding to the image of God within creation that has been concealed by sin. It's the practice of responding to the image of God in another person that has been concealed by sin. At its core, honor has to do with recognizing the fingerprint of God on His creation. Oftentimes that's hidden. Most of the time that's hidden. Did you guys catch that? It's a practiced response. It's all that it's something that's already there underneath. The problem is this: recognizing God's fingerprint in His creation is difficult because it seems to be hidden. It seems to be covered up. We uh, we see in, in Genesis chapter one, God creates the heavens and the earth. 
He works through each day. All the stuff He creates. And, and what is the word that He uses when He finishes all creation? Uh, creating each, each day He looks at everything and He says, it is what? It's good. It's good. And then we get two pages later, Genesis 3, and we turn around and all of a sudden, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, sin and brokenness comes in and it covers up and clouds the image of God over creation. And so since then, it's ever since then, it's been infinitely easier to see the brokenness all around us than it is to notice the original good, the original good intention of God underneath all of it. Isn't it easier? Isn't it easier to notice the brokenness than the original good intent of God? Absolutely it is, because brokenness is so visible around us. And so the truth is this, the Scripture says that the truth of God wants to be revealed, but it's hidden. I got a couple uh, passages of Scripture I want to show you. The uh, uh, Scripture shows us that the kingdom of God is hidden, that the kingdom of God is hidden, but it's hidden in, in plain sight. It's concealed. Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus talking, kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Everybody say hidden. Hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then he, in, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking, searching for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. The kingdom of God, Jesus is trying to show us the kingdom of God is there, but it's hidden. You may remember the phrase that so often follows what Jesus is saying. He'll say, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll be able to see and you'll be able to hear what it is that God is saying. It's hidden. It's, it's, it's underneath. The people of God are hidden in plain sight. Not just the kingdom, but the people of God are hidden. Romans chapter 8. Paul is talking. He says, for creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Boy, that's a loaded verse. Creation waits, waits expectantly on the children of God, the sons and daughters, those, that, those of you that have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, waits on them to be revealed. Why? Because they are the first fruits of salvation and they step in and everywhere that they walk, they bring the kingdom of God with them. Creation waits. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation's been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. In other words, the people of God, cloaked, clouded by sin, creation waits in eager expectation for that sin and brokenness to be removed so that you can step into the full purpose that God has for you in bringing the kingdom everywhere that you go. But it's covered up. That sounds like a, that sounds like a high calling, doesn't it? That's God's high calling for you and for me. And for our churches, that's, what, that's the high calling that's there. But it's covered up and it's hidden. Not just the kingdom, not just the people, but the truths of God are hidden in plain sight. Proverbs 25 says this, it's the glory of God to conceal things. But the glory of kings is to search things out. God loves for you and I. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. He loves for us to have to, to work at it. We, we, we gotta, it's, it's not that we earn anything from God, 
But there are things that we show that we have to put forth effort. We don't get to just sit down and just say, all right, God, hit me. Hit me with the blessings. <laughs> we, don't, we don't get to do that. It doesn't work that way. We, we, we search out. God, there are some things that God goes, you know what? The only way you'll really understand and be grateful for what I have for you is you're going to have to do some digging. You're going to have to search for it. This is, this is how God's done this. So it's our job to search and uncover the truth and the beauty of God. So how do we do that? By cultivating a lifestyle of honor. It's the key to revealing the truth of God in our lives. In other words, through honor, we reveal the nearness of Jesus to those that are far from Him. That's our mission as a church. We write it everywhere. That we write it on everything that we got, we write it. We can put it on a big old eight-foot banner. It's at the back of the room. We want to reveal the nearness of Jesus to those that are far from Him. How do we do that? The, one of the keys to that is through honor. It's through, it's through honor. Mark chapter 6 says this. This is the response where Jesus is. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? You know what they're doing there? They're naming all the details. There's no more mystery about Jesus in Nazareth right now. There's no more mystery. They know where he came from. You know what I mean? Have you ever, seen, have you ever, have you ever run into an old friend that you knew? If, those of you that have been out of high school for a while, maybe you've just been out of high school for like a year. Those of you, you've been out and you run into an old friend you knew when you were younger, and you're like, ugh, they knew me back then. You know what I mean? <laughs> ugh. Yeah? Jesus is here and they go, this, that's not the Messiah. We, I knew him when he was 10. He was, he's a nerd. It's Jesus. It's, that, that's what they're saying. They know, no, I know his brother. Nobody's that the Messiah has a brother like that. Nobody's who's the Messiah has a family like that. That's what they're saying. He's just a carpenter. He's ordinary. No, man, he's a, he's a carpenter. He built my end table. That's not, it's not, it's not the Messiah. So they scoffed. They were offended. And it's really not much different than today. We look for reasons to be offended. We can follow people. Maybe we don't have to run into them. We don't have to run into them at Publix. We can run into them while we're just scrolling. And they can never know. They can, there's so many people. People post crazy stuff. There's so many people that are... That are that, that, um, you, you could, like old friends, old people that you knew a long time ago, you can find them on social media. And what is it? It's, it's, it's familiarity. It's ordinariness. How could anything, how can anything awesome, how can we see the fingerprint of God on something so ordinary? And this is what they did to Jesus. This is what they did. The, the problem is this, is that the key to unlocking God's God's picture, his view, his perspective, and his blessing on you and your family and the people around you and your job, your work, in your church is honor. That's how God's set it up in the scripture. That's how he set it up. So, so um, who are we called to honor? I wrote a few things down. Uh, first one, we're called to honor God. We're called to honor God. There's, a, there's, there's your... Um, uh, the, the easy go-to Sunday school answer. If you didn't know any other one, you just, who are we called to honor? We just, Jesus. Yes, you're right. Called to honor Jesus. We're called to honor God. 
Proverbs 3 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. There's lots of ways we can honor God. One of the ways is to give back to Him what He gives to us. We, we honor Him with, with our wealth, with what we have. Everything we have comes from God. So eventually, all of it's really His anyway. So whatever the increase. So Proverbs says that we, we honor Him with the first fruits, our crops. We don't, probably don't have a lot of farmers in here, all right? But that doesn't get us out of this situation. It's the increase with whatever we have. We return it to God. We, we, we honor God with our body. We honor God with our, with our body. That means some, there, there are some places that we won't go, and there's some things that we won't do, and there's some things that we won't look at, and there's some things that we'll do that may seem you know, different from others because God's called us to be holy and set apart even with our bodies. We honor God with our worship. It's not lip service. It's from the overflow of our hearts because because of who He is and what He's done, we honor God in a culture that makes fun of God. We honor God. That's what we do. Second one is this. We honor our parents. Honor our parents. You may say, well, my parents are weird. Well, probably are weird. My kids tell me that. I'm weird. And so I just, I just take that on. I'm like, that's right. I am. All right. And I'm your dad. Okay. You, I mean, you, you could say that. The, the, we aren't called to be, um, you know, our, our kids' buddies as much as we're called to be the, their spiritual leader. And so I, this, is, this is old school. I'm not telling you to do this, but this is what we do. I'm, I'm legitimately not telling you to do this, but this is what we do. I, I, I get my kids to say, uh, yes, sir, and um, yes, ma'am. And, I, and I, I, I do it. One of the ways we, or one of the reasons we do that, I know it's a little bit old school, that, that our thought is this. We want, we want them to learn honor. We want to honor authority. We want them to, to learn to honor those that are above them, whether they want them above them, or not, and that's just that's our that's our southern way of doing that. I mean, it, 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 the 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 truth is is that we can't think that our kids are going to honor their boss one day if they don't honor you. That's not going to happen. So what what do we do? We 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 want to teach them to do that. We want to teach them to learn honor in their home so that they'll honor um, uh, and live that blessing out their their whole lives. We don't want to rob them of the blessing that comes from living a life of honor. It is a promise. And so uh, third one is this. We honor those that are in authority. O over the years, I've liked uh, some leaders more than others. All right? I've um, disagreed with tone or policy or both. But you can disagree without dishonoring. It's possible. In fact... It is, as Christ followers, what we do. So we pray for those people that we voted for, and we pray for those people that we did not vote for. We pray for our leaders. You don't have to agree in order to honor. You, got, you, got, you look back at David and Saul. King Saul's trying to kill David. You look at what he's doing. He's running around. He's, he's, he's running for his life from King Saul. And Saul's trying to kill him. What did David do? He Somehow he still showed him honor. Now, I, I, to this day, I've never actually had a president try to kill me personally, all right? Like, like Saul was trying to do to David. And so if you can be under that type of authority and still show honor 
Our God shows us and tells us to honor our leaders with the posture of prayer. So don't take your cues from political commentary or cable commentary. Don't take your cues. They do not have kingdom of God views or cues. <laughs> they don't have that. They're not pull- ours, ours comes from Scripture. That's where it comes from. There, uh, fourth one is this. Our, our, uh, who we call to honor. Our pastors and our spiritual leaders. I, um, I don't want to sound self-serving, so I'm going to deflect a little bit on this one. However, Scripture does talk about those that oversee the church are worthy of honor, even, even double honor. So to our leaders, to those that um, are leading in our church, those that are serving our kids in kids' ministry, they turn around and we serve them, we honor them. We, honor, we give them double honor. Some of, I, I, I had um, some of our most respectful, I could say honoring um, middle schoolers that I ever had in our middle school ministry. Lindsay and I were middle school pastors for a decade. All right? That's, yes, you heard that right. Ten years, middle school pastors. All right? We, we, were, we, were, we, we led these little terrorists with all our heart. We loved them. Let me just tell you something, that, that some of them loved us and some of them did not. Some of them loved God and some of them did not. They did not. Some of them, I, I still remember some of the most respectful, honoring um, kids that we had uh, were uh, this one family, and uh, they were awesome, and I'm saying something good about them, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll name them. Their last name were the Odoms, and um, they had kids that came up through our middle school ministry, and they would bring us um, and, uh, and the small group leaders for these two kids. They were close in age, boy and a girl. They would bring um, cards, and they would just say, thank you, we love you, we're praying for you. Sometimes there would be a little Starbucks gift card in there, all right? So small group leader, anybody that ever led these kids, the parents would get them these cards, and they would say, you write it. They say, you write it. So they would write it, and they would help them. They would tell them what to write. And then they'd put a little thing in there, and then they would go get. And I'm just telling you, 10 years, we've had hundreds and hundreds of students come through. And the ones that stick out to me, not because I love Starbucks and I got a gift card from Starbucks. The ones that stick out to me, now I look back, still are these ones. They turn around, and they, they, they um, uh, brought honor. They were teaching them to honor. But it is, it is a practice. It is, it is a practice. Why does it matter? It's not just because it's right, but dishonor actually hurts you. It actually hurts you and hurts me. Watch this. Mark chapter 6, verse 4. So Jesus said to them, A prophet's not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. Look at this. Verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. It doesn't say he would not. It says Jesus could not. He had just healed a woman with an issue of blood. He had just raised another one from the dead. And he shows up at his hometown, Jesus, and he could not. I don't, I don't fully understand this. All I know is this. A lack of honor limited the Creator God incarnate Jesus as to what he could do in his town. And so the question that we have is, I wonder what miracles 
God has wanted to do for me or maybe God has wanted to do for you that we've missed out on for lack of honor. I wonder what blessings God may have wanted to give me or may have wanted to give you because we cloaked ourselves with dishonorable cultural commentary rather than the honorable, encouraging speech that God shows us in Scripture. I wonder what prayers God wanted to answer, but He has not. That's a tough thought, but it's the right thought. There's a reason. There's a reason that Scripture puts it in there. He could not do miracles, the ones that He wanted. That's, that's a powerful statement. It's not one that should bring judgment. It's one that should just bring a sobering clarity to us. What does honor do? Man, it opens the door. It opens the door to the kingdom for what God wants to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, another way of saying it, I read at the very beginning, it says to outdo one another in showing honor. And so when we honor God, we honor people. Why? Why do we do that even when they're different and when they're wrong? Why do we do that? Because they are still His. Because His name is on them. Respect and honor are are not the same thing. Respect is earned. Honor is given. There's a lot of leaders that we have you could think of right now, I'm sure, that, that there is a, there's a rightfully lack of respect there. They've lost respect. Or maybe in your own life, there's a lot. But we can, still, we can still honor. So why do we honor? Because people are His. Because His name is on them. Because they're created in the image of God. God's fingerprint is on them. Because they need the same grace that you and I need. The same exact grace. They need it too. The same exact grace that you and I maybe have experienced and maybe even have sort of forgotten about a little bit or maybe taken for granted a little bit. They and we need that same grace. Why? Because you're not common. You're not ordinary. You bear His name, the name of Jesus. We, it's easy for us to view everything around us from a Genesis 3 perspective. It's all broken. It's all wrong. It's all jacked up. And, and it's all at my work. <laughs> or it's all in my family. It's, all, it's so easy. It takes work to dig through the hidden truth. It's, it's not hidden because God doesn't want you to find it. It's concealed because He wants you to dig for it and uncover it and go, this has been true all along. Genesis 1, God's good plan and good work for you and for me and for creation. But we, gotta, we have to dig for it. So um, I've got, a, uh, I got a, a, a baseball bat here um, rocking an illustration. So um, Babe Ruth, the, uh, anybody know Babe Ruth's uh, nickname? Anybody know the nickname Babe Ruth? Shout it out. Oh, there's a lot of them. All right, the Great Bambino. I heard, I don't know what I just heard. I didn't, that's a new one for me. So, uh, thought of by a lot of people, the greatest home run hitter of, of all time. He autographed tons and tons of baseballs. Tons and tons of baseballs. But he only autographed seven bats. We just so happen right now, seven bats, to have um, a Little League bat that's not his. This is just a prop. Um, <laughs> just, just wanted you to know that. One of the... Uh, one of the seven bats vanished, um, been gone for decades. 
and it resurfaced in 2006. It was gone for decades. The bat was used to hit a home run in 1923, and it was given away as a home run contest prize. All right, seven, seven bats. And so nobody knew where the bat was, and then until finally 1988, there's an old, old guy who was sick on his deathbed. He had no living relatives. Nobody was around. And sure enough, he offers his prized bat that he had hidden to Marcia, who was his nurse, who had served him and who had honored him and taken care of him. He gave her this bat. Now, Marcia has no idea anything about this bat, how much the bat's worth, really where it came from. So the next 18 years, she hid one of Babe Ruth's seven signed bats underneath her bed at home. Just hid it, just hanging out underneath the bed. I guess she was going to use it in case there was a, you know, a robber. You know? She's going to bonk him. She's going to bonk him. Y'all use that word, bonk? We use bonk in my house. They bonked me. They're going to bonk him with a bat. Kept it underneath her bed. And so she eventually retires from nursing. She wants to open uh, her dream idea is to open up a um, a restaurant. And so she goes and gets this bat because she doesn't have enough money and she takes it down to the, uh, like a local memorabilia shop. And uh, the owner is shocked. And so he verifies this really is the great Bambino's missing bat. There's seven of them. One's been gone. It's been missing for decades and decades. Nobody knew. Sure enough, it's, she auctions it off for 1.3, almost 1.3 million dollars. You know, it's a baseball bat. It's just a bat. Some of y'all are like, yeah, it's probably worth more than that. Other y'all in here and y'all are like, it's a dumb old bat. $1.3 million. So she used a portion of it to start a restaurant. And then she donated the rest of that, uh, the portion of the bat, she donated the rest of it to a charity that Babe Ruth supposedly had loved and supported himself. It was close to, close to Babe's heart. And so people were like shocked. They were like, what are you doing? It's so much money. It's, babe, it's, it's a charity. It's Babe Ruth. He wasn't even like a good dude. They said, why would, you, why would you give away all that money? And so this is what she says. She says, the bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. Since he made it valuable, the only reasonable thing I could do was something that would honor his life. As a Christian... As a follower of Jesus, what makes you and I valuable? It is the name of Jesus. It is the fingerprint of God's image placed on us. And our only reasonable response is to live in a way that honors Him. It's the only one that makes sense. So that's what we do. How, 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 do, we, how, do, we, honor, how do we honor Him? We honor Him outdo each other in showing honor. We honor the other above ourselves. You and I need to recognize we do not live in an honorable culture. We live in a dishonorable culture. Very much so. And we see it and we hear it every day. And it gets in the water. It gets in the water. And so it takes work and practice and effort. It takes effort to to consciously, intentionally live in a way where honor is not just a practice, but it's a lifestyle. It, it, it requires that. And so as a church, we practice our response 
of honor in order that God's presence and his blessing would be revealed. Honor is the key to fulfilling our mission to reveal the nearness of Jesus to those that are far from him. Honoring the, uh, whether we see it or not, whether they see it in themselves or not. Why would you do that for me? Why would you treat me like that? Why would you invite me there? Why would you take care of me? Why would you give me that? Why would you do that? Because God has, because God loves you, because his hand, his hand is on you. His fingerprint is on you. That's why we honor. So as a, as a spiritual leader of our church, I want to declare a spirit of honor over our church and over our hearts. I want to declare a spirit of honor, a church that builds up rather than tears down, one that sees through the junk and, and, and uncovers the goodness of God in people. A church that we welcome, where we welcome a voice of encouragement and of unity and of hope and of faith. I want to declare a spirit of honor in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, for those of you that are in this room, in our relationships, in our work, a spirit of honor that would cover this place. Because it's who Jesus is and what he's done. This is our only reasonable response is honor. I want to pray for you this morning and then we're going to, we're going to have some uh, baptism. Um, if you would, if you would close your eyes for just a minute. Those of you, if you're, if you're already um, plan on getting baptized, I want you to go ahead and go to the back. Maybe if you decided this morning, you're like, I've, 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 I've not been baptized. God's done something uh, uh, new and fresh in me. I've given my heart to him and th this morning is my time. I want you to, I, I, we would love to baptize you and you have the opportunity toward the end. Maybe you're in here and you say, look, I, I, I just, there's somebody in my life, if I'm honest, Joel, I struggle honoring. And I, I just need grace. I need to be aware of the grace on my life because I'm lacking every good thought, every good intention, every, every respect, everything that I would need. I'm lacking that. And I, I, I don't know how to do it. I just need God's grace in order to, to honor if that's you in here, I'm not going to ask you to come up here. We're not going to do anything. We just, I just want to pray for you. If you would raise your hand real, real high and say, that's me. There's, there, there's somebody or some people in my life. I, and, and I know it's, it's keeping. Yes, 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 yes. It's keeping me from fulfilling. I know what God has for me and for them. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Lots of hands. Anybody else? Yeah. Yes. Maybe you're in here and you say, I'm, the truth is, I'm just not living right now a God-honoring life. He's not first. He's not even a priority, and I want to change that today. I, I, there, there's something in my life that's not honoring God, and I, and I, and, and I need to uh, remove it. I'm just, I'm not living a God-honoring life. If that's you as a confession to God this morning, saying, God, I, I, I need you. Yeah, if, you're, if that's you, would you raise your hand real, real high and put it, you put it right back down? I'm not. Yes, yes, but I want to. Maybe you're here and you say, I just want honor. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of maybe lazy with honor. I don't want to say I'm lazy. I just, I just don't do it. But I want honor to become a core value in my life. I don't totally understand it, but I know that it's, 
It's, it's not just a good thing. It's not the nice thing. I'm not talking about being a nice Christian. I'm talking about living a lifestyle of honor and using that key to unlock the potential for what God has for people in front of me and even in my own life. I want that to become a core value in my life. I, I, I don't fully understand it, but I want it to become a core value. I want honor to become my lifestyle. If that's you, would you just raise your hand as a declaration to God? Yes, yes, yes. Father, we love you this morning. God, the only way we could ever have a clue as to who you are and what honor is is by looking to you and what you've done. God, you have outdone yourself. You've outdone yourself in honor to those of us. God, we, did, we don't deserve it. And yet, just as your scripture says, you have, you've crowned us. God, we're not, we're, not, we're not this measly creation, just a worm down here on earth. God, you have crowned us sons and daughters. God, I pray that you would do, you would take that core value of who you are and you would knead it into the soul of our church, into the soul of the people in this room. God, those in this room that lifted their hand, there's somebody in their life that they're struggling. God, I pray that you would give them a fresh perspective of who you are to them and who you are to those that they need to either forgive or to learn how to honor. God, I pray you would do that. God, those that are not living a God-honoring life, they've chosen this morning, this is going to be a new day. It's a new day. It's a new step. It's a new week. God, I pray that you would seal that, seal their heart right now in what you've done. Thank you, God, for for beginning this work in this young church, a God-honoring and others-honoring church. And we love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. So glad you all are with us today, this beautiful Sunday, a big Sunday. I'm so excited about baptism, uh, to celebrate with our family about what God is doing, creating new life. That is, that is the thing. So awesome. So thank you for being here with us. For those of you, if it's your first time here, we do have bulletins on every chair. If you would fill something out for me, that front page, just let us know that you're with us today. I'd love the opportunity to write you a little letter. Thank you for being with us. If it's your first time with us online, you can check the feed below and click the link and we can connect with you that way. For those of you who are wanting to get connected to a small group or serving or being water baptized next go round or, or any of those things, there's opportunities to fill that out on the bottom of the connect card. And so I'd love if you'll just make a mark or write something there, I'll make sure that we reach out to you and, uh, and connect with you on those things. A uh, little reminder to those who are already on serve teams, uh, we've got a, a gift for you. I know we've got the party on Tuesday night. A virtual party, but I do have a gift for you back in the next steps room. So stop by there and, and find yours. Um, just a little something we wanted to, to say thank you. Hey, before uh, I, I pray, I wanted to say thank you, like we always do, but we mean it. Thank you for those who are givers to Four Corners Church. You're helping advance the kingdom of God here in Huntsville. And uh, there is so much we're excited about, so much we look forward to doing. And um, because of you, we're able to be here and we're able to look forward.
forward um, at how we can best serve our community. So thank you. Uh, there are a couple of ways that you can give. It's online uh, by texting or by um, dropping something off in person. So if you do have something, connect card or a um, tithe and offering you want to offer here today, the top uh, the tables, I'm sorry, out in the foyer, high top tables, there's a bucket and you can drop that there. So let me pray real quick over those tithes and offerings and then uh, we'll do baptism together. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you. How encouraging it is to gather as a family in worship to our Savior. It's so encouraging and I thank you, Father, for that opportunity. I pray, God, that as we are filled today, we turn around as we go to our jobs and our neighborhoods and back to our families. Father, that we can practice this honor lifestyle. We can practice what we've been taught Monday through Saturday. Um, I pray, Jesus, for the tithes and the offerings that are given today. May we honor you with them and may we, we use them in the way that you would best want us to, to serve the people that you already have your fingerprint on, that you already named. And Father, we could see what you see and reach them. Let us bridge that gap through honor and let us watch you do a work and take off the burden that life has given them and exchange it for your burden that is light. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray.